Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. All right. We got a special episode of the front office podcast. Uh, I am doing this one solo, not with my uh, usual partner, Eve Darbuz. Uh, and today I feel lucky enough to be joined by Robin Lundberg, who is a senior host at SI. You can hear him on CBS Sports Radio, Mad Dog Radio, and also has the full court on Flatbush podcast um, associated with the New York Post. Uh, Robin, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I mean, look, talking Brooklyn Nets, you got to be uh, feeling pretty good right now, right? Yeah, I mean, look, yesterday was really uh, yesterday was really exciting. I know people are going to talk about the fact that uh, Davis wasn't playing and Durant wasn't playing, but I think all in all, you have to be happy. A- anytime you beat LeBron, no matter what else is there, you got to be you got to be happy about the results. Yeah, like look, I, I wouldn't read into the specific matchup, right? Like that, I, I don't think that was predictive of what might happen in a Nets Lakers series, um, because, like you said. Uh, no KD on the Nets side, no AD on the Lakers side, no Schroeder on, on the Lakers side, and and I think when the Lakers get into the playoffs, you know their their one secret weapon that they still have is is going to Davis at the five, uh, and, and that was huge for them in the playoffs last year. But it's about more than that for for the Brooklyn point of view. Not even just like all right, who wins the finals between the, the Nets and the Lakers? When you look at the teams that the Nets have beaten, ten and one uh, against teams over five hundred. Uh, I believe, what is it, 7-0 and against uh, the top eight teams yeah. in the West right now. And, and just your common sense, like watching it. Like the, the team is starting to find its identity a little bit, that, that switching defense, uh, playing small, spreading the court. And, and when shot creation is at such a premium as it is in the NBA, when you have three guys who can do it, not to mention some guys on the outside who can knock down shots, uh, I mean, I, I think... I, I said it on Full Court on Flatbush this week, and you know, I said it uh, uh, SI uh, today, I think. If they're healthy, the Nets are going to be playing for the championship. I'm pretty confident about that. I mean, looking at the East, Philly, I, I think, is the, the toughest matchup because of Embiid. But I, I don't know about their, their scoring uh, head-to-head with, with Brooklyn in a series. And then, you know, when you're in the finals, whether it's the Lakers or... Uh, the Clippers or even the Jazz, I mean, and I still obviously think it's the Lakers, you can't worry about those other teams or, or how other teams look. I think you look at the Nets right now, and clearly this is a team that can win an NBA championship. Yeah, so it's interesting. You mentioned um, the Sixers, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to skip a few steps and almost skip a few rounds. And I'm curious, like, which teams – is the Sixers the team that sticks out the most for you of a team that they'll – have issues with because I know look like in the past I mean I'm a I'm a diehard Nets fan in the past they've struggled even with teams like the Pacers who have obviously two bigs who are physical and also can uh, move around the rim and also are good passers um, and then they can typically play better against teams that honest obviously play more of a finesse style like them I'm curious if there are certain teams that you are more scared about if you're a Nets fan or less scared. Well, I think look it's obvious what the Nets, uh, I guess, biggest weaknesses, right? Size and physicality. Right. But you look around the league, there's not that much of that. Uh, I think there's three players 
that that you look at. Uh, one is Anthony Davis, who they didn't see last night. You know, uh, two is is uh, Jokic with Denver, and three is Embiid. And he, here's the thing against the Sixers, and I'll focus on that one because I think that you know that's the most likely matchup of of all, <laughs> being that they're in the same conference. Um, ben Simmons is, is interesting because he can guard so many positions, and that's a, a that's a boon for them. The, the fact that they've got a little bit more shooting with Curry there this year, and, and the way you know that they, they can put out a lineup where, where Simmons is maybe the only non-shooter is interesting. And then you know Embiid is going to be a problem, uh, and he's going to score against the Nets. There's no question about that. But I always say, like, can they stop what you do? And, and that's that's what I, I think the Nets are going to you know be able to, to to be problematic for a lot of teams. Who can stop what they do? You know, are, are they just going to outscore teams? I think the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> I mean, you have to play a, a respectable level of defense. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think that the way the Nets play, they're gonna they're gonna surrender some buckets to the rim. They're gonna surrender some second chance points. It's but I think they make up for that by playing on a string, quickness, getting out in transition, and then trading threes for twos. And, and the, the same thing goes for like if you're looking at this from the Sixers' point of view. Okay, we, we know it beats a certain level of advantage. But what happens when the Nets play the the you know Jeff Green, uh, Joe Harris, KD, Harden, Kyrie lineup, or or KD you know KD Bruce Brown, Harden, Kyrie. Uh, Harris lineup, you know, one combination like that. Who is in beat guard on the other end of the floor? Uh, you know, so that's the, the the kind of thing they have to answer. And, and I, I think just ultimately, it, 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 I mean, it's like lowest common denominator analysis. Um, but what what do we know works in the NBA? Like superstar players, right? No. We know that that's a proven formula throughout every championship. Us, all, with, with a few exceptions, there are a few exceptions there. You know, the Mavs in 2011 had one true superstar with a bunch of really good players. The, the Pistons in 04 had a bunch of really good players. Um, the Rockets in the 90s had Olajuwon and a bunch of really good players. But for the most part, the league has been built upon teams that have uh, numerous superstars. And the, the Nets, uh, you know, the, the, they go out there every night with three guys who can beat you in different ways. They're not even redundant. Everybody thought, okay, they, they all hold the ball so so much, but they, they're, they're not redundant because Katie fits in seamlessly. We've seen that in Golden State. We've seen that now. Kyrie is maybe the most skilled guy of all time. Yeah. A ridiculous shot creator. And, and then Harden um, has a degree of playmaking that the other two don't have. So and when it comes down to a fourth quarter and, and the game is 106 103, you know, you, you got to like the, the, the next chances to close other teams out. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel I feel similarly as well. I mean, I think, like, shot creation, especially in the playoffs, and especially in a half-court setting, which is what all these three guys can do incredibly well. Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, we were talking about what Eastern Conference teams can uh, – give the Nets some, some trouble. I think, you know, it's funny. I, I tend to be a like pessimistic Nets, uh, Nets fan with, uh, with in, in some ways with good reason. And so the teams that kind of scare me the most at times aren't even the, the Sixers or even like the Bucks of the world. It's more so the gritty, uh, going to play you incredibly tough for 48 minutes and act like they haven't been there before teams, which I think the two that end up sticking out to me are, Indiana and Miami. Now, I think the good thing about both of those teams is 
neither of those teams have even one player, arguably, who's as good at creating their own shot, because I don't think Butler even is as good as any of the Nets' three guys is getting their own shot. And in the playoffs, as we've talked about, like that ends up being what's the most important. I'm curious if you have any read about the Nets playing those types of uh, grittier teams. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think that those ones can get you in the, the regular season in Indiana, in particular, is that kind of squad, even though it didn't happen last time they played. Uh, I, I just don't think Indiana has the talent to compete with the Nets in a playoff series. Miami is interesting because of what they did last year, and I think Jimmy Butler's a tremendous player, uh, you know, and, and uh, can create for himself, can create for others, and, and, and all that in Miami. Uh, was dangerous last year. Bam Adebayo has improved this year. The problem is they're playing, you know, they're behind it right now. They've got to get their way into that uh, picture. I think the, the, you know, the turnaround time, uh, the, the short turnaround time hurt them a little bit. Um, also, the Bogles seem to be ideal for that kind of squad. So Miami, I, I wouldn't completely write off because of what they did. And they, they have one guy, you know, I, I consider, you know, in the top ten, best players in the league are right in that mix. Um, so they are, yeah, they're, they're a wild card, um, the, the remainder of this year. But I, I just, I, I don't know if they can kind of get that lightning in a bottle that, that worked for them a year ago. And I won't say like what happened was a fluke or anything like that. That's disrespectful to what they accomplished. But I do think they maximized what they had. Uh, they played to their peak potential, the environment worked for a team like that, um, and, and, you know, they have to work their way back to that level before I, I'm taking them with the same degree of seriousness that, that I did in the postseason last year. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, mean I, I, I totally agree with that, and I think, I think this Miami, I mean, they've obviously had a lot of stuff going on off the court, but I think this, um, this hangover they've had a little bit, I think, makes sense, and they're, they are getting to a point where they have to kind of pick things up sooner rather than later because they've played about 30, a little less than half the season and we'll see how many games end up getting made up and, and whatnot. But I mean, I'm, I, I definitely think that they're, they're obviously not in the same place they were four months, five months ago in the bubble. Um, but I was also, I was also curious uh, for you switching, switching gears a little bit. I think, uh, especially in, in Nets Twitter, uh, the, the grade for Steve Nash has gone totally up and down. It depends on the minute, depends on the game. It depends on the practice, whatever it is. Um, I'm curious what you like, what you think of his job as a as a coach, both on the court, because I think that's obviously one element of it, and then off the court, which is obviously maybe as important. I've loved Steve Nash so far. I think people get a little ridiculous. Uh, look, the first when a fan base gets frustrated, the first guy that they point to is usually the head coach. That's just the way it works, yeah. right? Because you know, like the, the star player isn't getting fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> the head coach is the easiest thing to just sort of change or, or, or think is going to change. And and it was a perfect no. I mean, he had a couple lapses where maybe he should have called a timeout or or made a lineup switch. He left DeAndre Jordan in too long when Jared Allen was still on the Whatever example you want to use. Uh, fouled instead of letting him shoot a three. All that sort of stuff. Uh, but that's the stuff he learns, right? Like, you learn that. He's a first-time coach. He'll learn the in-game situation. I think what's been more important is his demeanor. And, and I like his steady, sort of positive, calm demeanor. Uh, and, and I think it works also because... You know, he's got respect coming in the door. And Steve Nash was not only, you know, um, a kind of a, one of the basketball geniuses, right? Like, there ain't that many basketball geniuses throughout history. 
LeBron James is one, Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, you know, like Chris Paul. Uh, you know, there's not that many. And he, he was that, so that, you know, you would assume um, would translate to coaching. But also, he, he did it at the NBA level. So there's a certain level of respect there. He has a respect for Kevin Durant. And, and he's got a coaching staff. You know, Mike D'Antoni, as much as he's lamented at times, or people say his style doesn't work, I would argue what Houston did when they went small last year actually did work. They just, you know, ran out of, they ran into a better a, a team. Now you've got a, a much more talented Nets team applying some of those things. So overall, I, I, I was, I, I thought the um, Nash hire was a, a bit uh, of a daring one, um, but I, I liked it initially. And, and then thus far, I, I've been very happy with Steve Nash as a whole. I think he's, he's been the right guy to keep a, uh, the, the right sort of tone around this team because this team is, is now covered. Um, they've sort of inherited the mantle of where a LeBron team was in the past because LeBron can't be covered with hysteria anymore. You're just ridiculous. If you're covering him with hysteria now. Yeah. And now this Nets team is the one that gets covered with hysteria. You know, If they lose, the defense is terrible. If they win, look out NBA. And, and Nash has, has had, I think, the, the right kind of message through all that. Yeah, no, I, I I agree about all that, and and I also think, I mean, I think the the in in, in classic NBA dialogue and Twitter world uh, formula, the I mean, the amount of sway that the amount of or the amount of negative sway, I should say, that D'Antoni got has gotten to a point where I mean, like it, it, when you actually look back on his tenure, specifically with Houston, he never really lost a series that he was supposed to win and in fact like how far they got in all their series was pretty miraculous and I also think that even in the bubble last year I mean I think Harden and Westbrook were coming directly off of COVID and clearly were not in basketball shape so I think even judging on that is kind of is kind of ridiculous but uh but I was I was also curious um I was also curious for you so a lot of people that I've seen in some in some circles have talked about how last year you know the Clippers this the, the entire year were kind of the the sleeping giant and they never really played together. Guys were taking games off. They basically kind of felt like the, the regular season didn't matter, which in a lot of ways it, it doesn't, but it got to a point where, um, where them, where when they actually played together, it, it didn't really work that much. And I think some people are a little nervous that this Nets team is kind of, you, you know, you, you saw the stats yesterday on TNT. It's like a couple of games of Harden Duran, a couple of games of Harden Kyrie. There's all these different machinations, but they, but whether they've all played together as one unit combined with, if their certain buyout guys come to the team. Um, and I'm curious what you make of, of that element in combined with also people, I think, or at least I've kind of thought that some people have kind of uh, compared what the Nets do when they turn it on and turn it off to like the Chiefs this year. And that it's, and that, but then when you get into the playoffs, sometimes it's actually hard to turn it on and turn it off. And so on those two facets, I'm curious where you stand. Uh, I think in the course of the NBA season, a lot of teams turn it off and turn it on to a degree. Um, you know, it, it's just the Nets are covered with a little bit more of a microscope. Right, um, and, and that's a, a, a function of you know getting up, other teams getting up for you when they, they see who you are, and that, that's what the Nets have become. They're a marquee team now. Um, as far as how it translates to the playoffs, I, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, what happened to the Clippers, and that was embarrassing. Again, the circumstances of last season were a little different, and Kawhi was the kind of one guy over there um, who who ha- had. You know, you really kind of believed in in those situations. You didn't have a great game seven, but with with the Nets, I mean, they got 
they got that in reserve now. I mean, Kevin Durant, you've seen him do it at the highest level. Kyrie Irving, you've seen him do it at the highest level. James Harden, we've now never never seen him have this uh, level of talent uh, around him. So that's not too much of a concern for me. I mean, I think you see, you know, if the Nets were just turning it off and turning it on, they wouldn't be climbing to get maybe the number one seed in the East right now. Right. Uh, Yeah, there have been some bad losses, clearly. A couple of embarrassing losses, clearly. I think the other thing you mentioned is a little bit more of a – uh, something I, a mild concern is is just the lack of reps the three guys have had together. Because, you know, we've seen these games of brilliance when two of them have been on the court, whether that was Durant and Harden when Harden first got traded, or Kyrie and Durant at the very beginning of the season, or now Harden and Kyrie. You know, like the signature performances from the big three, yeah, you know, you want to start seeing that a little bit and, and, and making sure that those guys have reps so that they're, they're, it's second nature for them by the time the playoffs come around. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that. And I think, I mean, look, hopefully, hopefully this KD um, injury right now isn't too big of a deal and that they, and that they do end up getting reps. And, and honestly, I think we're probably going to hit a certain point where Harden is probably going to need some games off because he's definitely been uh, like 110% since he, since he made the trade, which I have appreciated, but I think it's also the type of thing where he'll probably um, need some time off as well. I'm curious because a lot of people, specifically me who like is checking Twitter constantly hoping that Shams or Woj is going to break some massive buyout person that the Nets can get. Is there Are, are there certain people that you think the Nets should absolutely go for? I mean, obviously there's the Drummond and the Griffins and JaVale McGee. And are are any of those guys or any other guys that people have talked about, are you kind of scared of even mixing them into the into the group? Well, I, I've been encouraged of late the way that the, the rotation has come together and the way that the, you know, the, the fringe rotation players are, are battling for spots. You know, Tyler Johnson battling for a spot. Landry Shamit playing better. Guys like that. I, I uh, TLC, the, the last couple of games. Um, I, I trust Jeff Green implicitly. Uh, I, I trust what Bruce Brown has brought to the team. Uh, you know, teams might try to, to make him shoot in the postseason. But nevertheless, I, I love what he brings to the team. Obviously, Harris. Um, Jordan... In spot minutes, uh, you know, I think, you know, he's done well in his role the last couple of games. So if they add nothing, I don't think it's the end of the world. Of course, you always want to improve the team. If Andre Drummond's available be a buyout, I mean, it's foolish not to, to, to pursue that. Um, the, the problem with buyouts is generally, you know, those guys are available for a reason, right? Like, they're not just like... The, the most valued commodity in the league anymore. Right. I think you can make a, a small addition there. I, I think, you know, you have to keep your, your eyes open at the trade deadline. Um, that's just don't have that many pieces left to deal. So I would be prepared for this to be the, the crew with some, you know, t- uh, additions on the edges, uh, touch up the paint job a, a little bit. I think a big body is still something that you could, use situationally but i don't look at this team now and say there are you know glaring holes it's, it's like a little bit of depth a little bit of size and that's what i think they need to be looking at would you would you be i would you not want to take on like a, a blake griffin type personality into the locker room 
this all needs to be hammered out beforehand. I, you know, Blake Griffin has just not been a very good player um, yeah. as of late. And he, that, that dunk stat is crazy. He hasn't had a dunk since 2019. Yeah. Uh, he, he's become more of a spot-up shooter and, and not a good one. Um, he, he doesn't really get by his, his man. Nevertheless, given what he's been capable of in the past, if, if Blake Griffin's available says, I want to join the team and is willing to take a, a much lesser role, then I, I, you, you could kick the tires on that for sure. I, I just don't want to, you know, bring in Blake Griffin and then think this is Blake Griffin and, and his name demands a certain level of uh, gravitas or, or uh, role on the team. I think if, if he's, he's willing to play a certain role, I think you, you consider that. But, um, you know, is he a huge upgrade over what they have right now? Does he exactly bring what they need right now? Um, you know, but when you have a guy who, who has done what he's done in the past and you could add him for nothing, then I think you have to at least take a look at it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think I think in part they really just need, like, bodies, which is why I I was happy with even, like, the Noah Vonley signing because I think it's just a bigger athletic dude which can help just to even help wear down someone. I mean, obviously he's not doesn't really seem like he's in NBA shape yet. I'm curious to see what he can do because I always thought he was decent with the uh, – with the Knicks, but so, so I'm curious to see what other guy they get. Um, last couple of questions that I had for you, and I wanted to kind of transition to more of kind of a both narrative questions and also a media question, because obviously um, you're someone who's been in, in sports forever and specifically like talk radio. I, I mean, I remember listening to you and Ruko on ESPN radio back in the day. Um, and I, I'm curious, what, what do you think it is specifically about Kyrie that I think makes him such a lightning rod that people feel the need to constantly talk about him? Like, do you find that it's it's him and what he says? Do you think it's a combination of his game? Do you think it's, uh, like, how how much he relates to certain uh, other athletes and activists and his deals with Nike, whatever it is? I'm just curious as to why every single thing he does ends up becoming such a national story. Uh, part one uh, is he left LeBron, right? Like, he played with LeBron, which is the biggest spotlight you can have, and left. So, I think once that happened, there was a certain degree of criticism waiting for him. And then the, then you add in the Boston fan base, which has now spun him negatively, and the Boston media has spun him negatively. Um, all that stuff is one factor to it. Um, another factor is he's so brilliant to watch. You know, so when he does something that is frustrating, I think sometimes even, you know, could be extra frustrating. Like when he did the uh, the pawns Instagram thing yep. earlier this year, it was like, oh, come on, do you really need to do it? Well, why did you even add that last line? Or when he, when he first took, when the sabbatical kept going and you were like, what's going on here? Like that frustration just builds up a little bit. And part of that's just because you respect how good he is as a player. Some of it he's brought on himself, right? I mean, from the flatter thing to to some of these posts, to some ill-advised comments or, or you know, the party, whatever it is. There's stuff that he, he brought on himself. And then now he's on such a high-profile team that, he, you know, it comes with the, the territory. At that same, to that same token, you know, sometimes it goes a little too far. And, and I thought, you know, the most salient point Draymond Green made, I think, in his whole rant, um, was that this week, was about, like, the way we talk about some of these guys sometimes. And, yeah. They are people, right? So, and that can affect them a, a little bit. And, and I think that's where where Kyrie uh, can get alienated um, at, at times. But Ky- Kyrie's just an interesting cat. 
I, I, you know, there's no other way to put it. He's just an interesting cat, and and that can be, you know, polarizing when you consider the level of coverage he's getting and and um, how how brilliant he is actually out on the court. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think, I think the LeBron point is really, is a really good one, and probably one that at this point, because it's almost like the oldest point at this point, is, is probably the one that actually does resonate uh, a lot with people. Because obviously, it's rare to see someone leave someone like, like LeBron. Though there are obviously a lot of factors that went into um, his decision to, to demand a trade. But, but yeah, no, it, it is interesting because obviously now, I mean, I, I think. A lot of like Twitter and a lot of social media has made comments about anything that he does in relation to um, his heritage, which I think like treads on a line that I, I think a lot of us are not super comfortable with. And 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 so I, I I just think a lot of the discourse about him at this point is just very bizarre and is more is more vitriolic than I think it should be. Um, and I'm and I and I and I do find it interesting. I mean, look, some players are just lightning rods for whatever reason it is, and I think. You know, even hearing past players who have played with him talk about him, like I know Raja Bell has mentioned this on his podcast. That I think when uh, when you're in a locker room with him, I think he does have a little bit of a of a condescension of "I know better than you." So I don't know if that's people kind of uh, people kind of lashing back at him because of the way he speaks to the media and whatnot. But I just do find it I just do find it interesting the way that at, at this point that he has been um, been treated. He's a little bit of a provocateur, too. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Like, he, sure. he, he deserves some of the responsibility for this. Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, and, and he has, um, he, he can, he can, you know, have this very, like, uh, open, likable nature to him. And then he can have this, like, very curt, like, short or, or just, you know, totally uh, runaway kind of nature to him. Um, so that's, you know, again, that's why he's interesting. And, and I'm not saying this. As a critique, I'm not even saying, you know, I'm not somebody who I, I think has gone out of my way to hammer the guy. But, you know, there, there is an individual uh, responsibility that, that comes up to, the, you know, it, it didn't just happen to anyone. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, to that same token, that, that doesn't mean some of that stuff doesn't go way too far. And, and um, knock on, you know, whatever's in front of me, I've really liked his attitude since he's come back. Um, and maybe, maybe he needed that. You know, like, we all have something going on. Right, uh, just because you're an NBA player, I mean, you have, don't have something going on. You know, I I have anxiety. I, you know, I do yoga, meditation. I've been through therapy. You know, all that stuff. Right, like yep. we all got something going on. Absolutely. So that could be it too. And, and maybe you know, I don't know what he did during that time, but maybe that helped him. I don't know. But he, he's had a good approach um, since he, he's come back. But if we're being honest with ourselves, he does have that. You know. Um, degree of who knows what could happen next right. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know that's just the truth yeah no and I think and look I, I think to everything you just said which I totally agree with I mean he also even even when even when his supporters um are trying to be uh are trying to bolster his case even more like for example during his um like seven game uh, break it doesn't help then when pictures come out of him without a mask like even no matter where it is like it just uh there is an element of of optics where he doesn't necessarily uh help himself so from that perspective i i completely get it um i, I was i was also curious uh lastly from you about about kind of like i'm i mean i like love basketball history and i love kind of ranking guys and where they are and going looking through eras I'm kind of curious at this point because, I mean, you know, a lot has been made of Durant's decision to go to Golden State 
and the two titles he won and whether we're going to give him like the how much how much are those titles worth as compared to uh, a title that Jordan won or a title that even like Dirk won or or whoever it is and I'm curious what you think KD kind of makes of this whole um, Brooklyn experiment which I think he is pretty like all in on and I think he I think he likes that he, this is clearly his franchise and he's the one that's making the calls even though people originally kind of thought Kyrie was the guy doing that it kind of seems like from reporting that this is KD's franchise and I'm curious just kind of what you think um, a championship here would 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 mean to him and also to his to, to his legacy and also kind of what you think he's he's looking for at this point yeah, I mean, look, some of this stuff bothers him at times. He's shown that over the years, right? But it's an interesting um, sort of paradox because uh, it, it bothers him, but at the same time, he, he's willingly done these sets up of these situations, whether it's going or at least helping putting together this team in, in Brooklyn. Um, we all get older. We all mature a little bit. He's been around the block. Um, I, I think he's he's – little more prepared for it now um it's also a, a little different because there's not a Steph in this situation sure. i think you know part of that was there was a Steph there um who was you know you're just never going to usurp him with the warriors fan base um and here you know kevin durant it, you know it's funny as good as james harden sometimes you wonder like who the, <laughs> even harden is good enough to make me wonder sometimes who the best player on the team is but sure. the, the the basic uh takeaway is it's Durant, right? And everything goes through. It goes around Durant. Um, and, and when it comes to championships, even if he wins one in Brooklyn, I, I think it may be more significant than the ones he won in Golden State, but I don't think he's going to have any one championship that you point to as, like, one of those special different ones, right? Like, you know, that just means LeBron in 2016, or even LeBron last year with the Lakers is 13, or Dirk in, in 2011, or Kawhi with the Raptors, or Steph, you know, and, and the Warriors with the, the Splash Brothers, the first. You know, there's just ones that I think feel a little bit more significant. Um, but who cares? Uh, right. You know, he starts he starts piling those up, and you, you can't say anything about it. And then he's just so undeniably good that people can pick apart or argue how significant each championship is. You can't argue against him. And and ultimately, I, I think that is what will win the day for him. Not to mention, you know, um, winning in, in New York City and Brooklyn after all this would, would be a, a, a big deal from a hype standpoint. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I mean, that'd be awesome. It'd be amazing. It'd be huge. I just mean as far as like, all right, is this the, the best championship any individual has ever won? Well, we, there's three of you now. Um, but hey, he, he, he knows what he's getting into, and, and I think maybe he's comfortable enough in his own skin now where he doesn't care, and, and there's no denying, you know, in the history of the game, he's going to be right up there. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel... I feel pretty similarly. I think I, I think those. It's funny. I think in in some circles, the Warriors titles that he won are viewed as too special, and, and in other places, I think people completely disregard them, which I think is also ridiculous. Because I think at this point, there's been this uh, there's been almost this rewriting of history that LeBron's Cleveland teams, and I get the last year was not great, but the I mean the one before where that did have Kyrie in love was still an incredibly talented team maybe not as talented as the Warriors but I do think that uh that that's kind of gotten overblown at this uh at this point but I, I I it does seem like he still is on some type of mission and whether that mission will be able to be fixed or rectified whatever like word you want to use I don't I don't know but it's clear that like Golden State he did not get out of it what he probably expected to get out of it um 
And so, and so that's why, that's why as like a Nets fan and also someone who's hoping he's a net for the rest of his career, I'm, I'm curious to, I'm curious to see kind of what his, uh, what his track will be moving, uh, moving forward. Well, when you look at the accumulation too, again, like I think Kevin Durant is one of the 15 best basketball players of all time, maybe right now, right? Like, uh, and, and, you know, if he gets to three, that's only one behind LeBron, yep. uh, you know, I, and I'm not saying that means you four would catch LeBron or anything like that, but I'm saying, you know, just with the totals, you start to get to a point where it's like, all right, we're going to discount each one of them, you know, <laughs> drop right. them all down. So I, I think he's probably, you know, he's safe in, in, in that regard. The only thing that would probably hurt, I think, is this group not winning one. Right. Uh, I think that would, that would hurt. Um, considering how they came together and, and the level of talent. Everyone says it has to be this year. I, I try to pump the brakes a little bit. I, I think, you know, look, the expectation is to be playing for the championship this year. But you want you put, you put you sign Kevin Durant, you, you make this trade to have a window to win. And, and I think, yeah, they, he's got to win. They've got to win with this group. Yeah, it, it's... Um... It's interesting because I think from uh, from from Katie's perspective, what I what I did find kind of curious about the Harden trade, and it's why actually originally I didn't totally buy all the rumors, is I was almost even surprised that Katie would want to add another star with him because of kind of the same uh, backlash he could get from kind of what happened with the Warriors of like being on this like quote unquote super team, which I guess does show that maybe like that element of Golden State isn't what bugs him as much as like maybe as you said that it was just Steph's team. And it does seem like it does seem like as as vocal as Kyrie can be, and even with his past New Jersey connections um, to the organization, like this. I mean, it seems like every single thing runs through KD, including like even the minor roster buyout guys that they that they've even added already. Yeah, I think people just say this is KD's team, right? And which speaks to you know how brilliant a player he is, considering the other guys. Um, he's also coming off an injury. You know, uh, you know, there, there's a certain. Um, you know, he knows it can be there and then gone. Um, and then with Harden, there, there's a reliability factor. You touched it on her earlier when we talked about his minutes, but I, I think the two things Harden has brought that they didn't have were, you know, both uh, Katie and Kyrie can play make to an extent, but that's not their game. That's not what they do. Harden, when he leans into it, that can be what he does. Um, and, and then the other thing is he's he never gets hurt. The guy's always been available uh he, he always plays big minutes so i think you know when you know you can have something like that next to you and i think that counts for something too you know and 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 kd has already like made it sort of his thing to to knock media coverage and the narratives yeah. so uh you know the bigger he gets in the game the more accomplished he gets in the game i think the the more confidence he'll have in, in, in being able to just, you know, uh, clap back at, at people online, um, but from a, a less defensive standpoint of view. Yeah, no, I, I, total, I totally agree with all that. But um, listen, Robin, I've, I've always really uh, enjoyed listening to you, as I mentioned, even dating back to your, like, early days with uh, with Ruko and even now at, at, at Sports Illustrated um, and on the, on the Flatbush podcast, like, I – Really enjoy your work, and I, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, to come on to the Front Office Podcast. You got it, man. All right, thanks so much. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. 
keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.